Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. With hosts Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of the Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> no, 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 no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave. Dave smells like nougat. Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by you, the fans. By the way, thanks to everybody for downloading and listening to the to the Drunk Saints History Podcast and me and Dave, the NFC Championship. Already over 1,300 of you people have listened to it and downloaded it. It's phenomenal. People are quoting me the drunk tweets on Twitter. We love it. Uh, so, Did you know. Did you sound drunk? Oh, I didn't actually listen oh, back to it. Oh, my God, dude. We are it's, it, we 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 promise the people drunk Saints history and we deliver. We don't. I, mean, deliver, I was drunk. We don't deliver quality, but we deliver the drunkness. Um, I so just thank, wanted to know if I sound drunk because I've been pretty. I've been known to, you know, hide it very well. I'll, I'll wake up the next morning and I'll be like, dude, I was so wasted. Though. They're like, really? You seem fine. So it was great. So thanks to everybody. Um, so yeah, we'll have the extra podcast this month, uh, the second bonus one of the draft. We'll figure out what we're going to do. we got to see if we have Brian on, other draft experts that hawk in their wares. We'll, we'll see, but you'll get it before the draft, we promise. Uh, so, Andrew, the Saints, yes, actually, the Saints actually did a couple of moves uh, this week. Uh, let's start with the one that I think is the most important. They um, allowed me to rummage through my uh, closet and find my uh, Bush jersey, 25, uh, because they're bringing back <laughs> Raphael Bush. Uh, you're, you're Reggie, Reggie Bush. It only says Bush, and he can go. At, he can be 25 again, do us all a solid, and uh, we can have the jersey again. Um, but, like, this is like a – I wouldn't say it's like a critical move, Andrew, but it's a, it's a really nice move, I thought. You know, they need to say – Yes, I mean, especially for what they paid. Oh my I think God. you we'll look get to at that a, in a you, second. Yeah, I mean, I think you get a guy that. I mean, first of all, when you let go of Jarris Bird, there's a need at safety. I mean, we all expect Von Bell and and Kenny Vaccaro to be the starters, and there's a little bit of a question mark about whether the Saints would employ this three safety look again, um, or you know, if they would. And, and it's not really a three safety look. It's really just a safety that's playing in the box, playing nickel or dime in some cases, but um, they've really employed that guy maybe more so than a reserve corner. So uh, you wondered if maybe with Jairus Bird leaving, they would start to employ just using their corners to fulfill that role in the future. But now they have Raphael Bush coming back. I'm starting to think um, the three safety look is back in, but um, they really needed some depth. Um, you know, obviously with Bird gone and Roman Harper probably not coming back. So uh, you didn't want to leave it up to the draft to make sure you got safety. So uh, I'm happy Bush is back. And um, yeah, I think you're going to ask about the, 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 <laughs> the contract. So I'm going to let you do that now. Well, I mean, Dave, the, the, these. I con- just wish, I, I just really, what would really make this season awesome is if they sign, if, is if they they sign somebody else in the secondary whose name is either Donatello or Michelangelo <laughs> or uh, Leonardo, <laughs> and we can start running with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle jokes. Please make that happen. Is there anybody? Is there anybody in the draft, Andrew, that could that could be that? <laughs> that has an I don't think there's anyone in the draft named Donatello or Michelangelo. Donatello. No. 
I gotta, I gotta get my, I gotta get my Mike Dettelier draft book and look for that. Um, but here's the thing: these, I mean, I know 90% of fans are like, look, NFL players, they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're in the one percent, whatever. I don't care. But Andrew Sterling Moore got minimum. Raphael Bush got minimum. Raphael Bush, that poor man, took a fifty percent pay cut from last year, and he had a really decent year last year. And he's making yeah. that, and he's making half as much. And I've come to the point where I just really don't like. Like a lot of fans are like, "Man, good for the Saints. They're getting great value." I'm to the point now. I'm like, "Fuck it. I want the players to get as much as they can because they're sacrificing their body." And is it we? Is it weird that I, I, I saw that contract and I was like, man, I feel bad for Raphael Bush. He, he got the shaft, man. Yeah, I mean, it's just weird that, I mean, I understand he won the Super Bowl. I understand that he played really well this year. And I understand that, um, you know, he, he's a good player that deserves money. But it's just really weird to me that a number two corner like Logan Ryan can hit free agency and make nine million a year, uh, or whatever his contract was, and the best Sterling Moore can get. I mean, he he was really a number one corner. Now, granted, it was on a much worse defense, um, and I don't think Sterling Moore is a number one corner for any other team in the league. But um, for him to get one year under a million dollars, um, I mean, it's just I, I I understand the difference between the two players, and it's clear which one's better. Uh, but I'm not sure there's an $8 million gap between those two guys. I mean, don't get me wrong. Logan Ryan's a good player, and I wish he was on the Saints. But, um, you know, the middle class and or the even, I would say, maybe the lower middle class. Fuck. Re- yeah, I mean, they're really getting um, squeezed out. And, and, and um, it, it's a bummer for guys like that. I mean, and. I mean, there's no way you can't tell me that Sterling Moore didn't play well enough to deserve you know, like a two-year, $5 million deal. And well, it's not that crazy. Raphael Bush played for 2.5 last year, played great. And, and the only explanation I have for him playing at the Vets minimum now for the Saints on a one-year deal after playing for more and playing well last year as a starter is that, you know, he crossed over into the dreaded 30s. And, I mean, he'll be 30, 30 this dra- year. And the draft is super deep at corner and safe and safety. So teams are like, fuck it, we're not paying a vet. Why pay a vet $2.5 when we can draft a guy in the third round and get – Yeah, but, it's, from- but that's a bummer. I, the bummer is that the cap is at an all-time high. Yeah. Like if the cap was still low, then I would be like, yeah, okay, it makes sense. But it just makes – like the tide should be rising for everyone. I, I feel like, you know, the, the cap escalating to – you know, unheard of numbers, it, it's still not doing guys like Raphael Bush and Sterling Moore, guys you need any on good, your team. Like those guys have value. It's not doing them any good. You know, yeah, like not every guy can be a number one corner yeah. or starting safety. I, I mean, you need special teams guys. You need backups. And I feel like in other sports that where the money's exploding, like baseball and basketball, especially like the, the Astros have this guy, Ioki, and he's like their fifth outfielder. He's making $5 million a year. And I know baseball, they don't have as many players, but they don't have a cap. And it, it just, I feel like the, 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 you're right, the mid, middle class is getting screwed. But Dave, the Saints didn't stop with uh, bringing back Raphael Bush. It's really they, a metaphor for our entire country. economy. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, 
How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Our current, our, our current, our current economy. The, the end of a class is getting shafted. But Dave, the Saints, weren't, the Saints were not done with getting the band back together. They brought but back, wait, there's more. There's more. They brought back Chase Daniel. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, it's Daniels, by no. the way, just to clarify. <laughs> it's Chase Daniels. Is it? I'd like to see you pronounce oh that. Oh, my God, right. Ralph Thanks, doesn't Ralph. pick up on your joke. He's like not <laughs> sure of himself. I'm He's so, like, did, I'm did, so, did I get that wrong? I'm so bad at names. <laughs> That when you correct me, I'm so unsure of myself. I'm like, he's probably, they're probably right. I don't know. Like, Ralph, Ralph, Le- Ralph legit just said, is it? Yes, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Na- me pronouncing names is like me driving with my wife. I'm so bad at directions. My, my, my wife can be completely, my, my wife could be completely wrong and tell me to my go wife. the opposite, the wrong way on a one-way street. And I'd be like, I got to do it. She knows, she knows it more than me. I, like that's where I am with names. Like if you, like Dave said it, and I was like, Are "You sure?" That's how bad I am. But but continue, <laughs> Dave. Uh, Let's just no, keep, I, keep calling him Chase Daniels, man. <laughs> stick with it the whole podcast. Well, you know what? By the end of this I, podcast, we're gonna have Ralph saying it for the rest of the season. Yeah. No, I I actually I actually um, empathize with him because I own a store called Campus Connection, and people call it Campus Connections all the time, and add that S, and it drives me nuts. And people send emails to campus.connections at Yahoo that I never get. Um, so I, I mean, I you know, if if Chase is frustrated by the whole thing and being called the wrong name, I, I totally get it. But uh, no, I, I like the signing; it's awesome. I mean, I've always liked him. I, I I think personally, well, I mean, he's younger than Luke McCown, um, but uh, you know, he's not going to be your starting quarter. Well, hopefully, he's well, not going to be. No, he's not going to be. But here's, but here's, he's he's always, you know, he's I've I've been comfortable with him as, in a backup role. I, I I've found him to be competent. And 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 is he, he? him and Matt Flynn, him is and Matt he? Flynn need to start a club. Um, <laughs> Of backup quarterback guys who just get paid. Legend. Uh, and Chase never have, Daniel. And he's never not have a, to do anything. He's not a legend on the field, but he's a legend at the bank, baby. Yeah, um, I mean, you guys don't think there's a chance that Chase Daniel could be a bridge quarterback for the Saints? That starter? Um, oh God, for I, a year or two while uh, they develop some rookie. If I hope not, because I want Drew Brees I, I would, to play for two say, or three more years. Oh, God. Would say that's Chase Daniel as a there. bridge is a pretty rickety bridge, Juge. <laughs> no, I, hey, I didn't I, say I, I like it. I'm... Uh, I would say that could potentially be their their thinking. I mean, I, you know, I, I think Drew's got another three, four, even maybe five years. But will those be with the Saints? That's the question. Yeah. Yes, I do. Well, no, Chase no, Daniel I, said – we've, we've talked about this before. Drew's not going anywhere. Drew's got a family here. He's all set up here uh, to, to, to play for another team and to move uh, – who's 37, uh, 38 years old. I, I, I see him finishing here as a saint. And, and at the same time, if, if we think he's going to play four or five years, personally, I think it's too early to guy that you future and have him sit. And there are two guys that I can think of, Steve Young and Aaron Rodgers. They're the only two quarterbacks I know McNair, that hung around and held the clip. Yeah, okay. And held the clip board for a while and then finally when they got their chance you know oh, in great quarterbacks and uh it's just it's just such a rare thing and i i think we're too early because i do think drew's playing for a little bit well longer. my favorite thing about the chase daniel situation andrew is philadelphia i can't i, can't, I literally i'm beside myself that ralph just got the name right there. <laughs> andrew's in a rage he's i can't even let you finish your question i'm so shocked that you said it right um well it only took it only took like what like seven eight years uh, but the, my favorite part is that Phil, he's making $5 million. I, I texted Andrew. I was like, Chase Daniel, he's going to make $5 million. Andrew's like, what? That's going to kill the cap. And then I was like, but Philadelphia is paying $4.1 million of it. Andrew, how bad of a fucking contract was that that Philadelphia gave him, where they are paying him $4.1 million this year, and he's not even on their team, and he wasn't even their starting quarterback. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think they were expecting him to be the starter or at least kind of be in the mix to, to maybe start a few games until 
Carson Wentz could be ready. I, I don't think the the um, expectation was that Wentz would come in and, and be pretty good right away necessarily. So um, I think they Daniel signed there, I think, with the intention of starting. And once again, kind of a bummer. I mean, I think he went into Kansas City and Philadelphia with like the expectation that he would Get a have shot. a chance and, and be in, yeah, in a battle. And he, he lost both of them. Um, so, you know, as much as I'm fine with him coming back and we'll see what happens with him and Luke McCown, I can't say I'm psyched about it. I mean, he's lost to Alex Smith, who, who has done well in his own right. And he uh, lost Alex Smith is kind of man. I feel, like, I feel like Kansas City would run off Alex Smith Smith in 30 seconds if they had a better option. Yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, I, my point is that if Chase Daniel was special, he, he wouldn't have lost out to both of those guys. That's true. And I think he's a fine backup, but yeah, I think there's a little bit of a Matt Flynn thing going on where um, yeah, he's looked good in a couple preseason games and he's got this market value, um, but at the end of the day, you don't really want him playing in games. He, here's the thing. Would, do, do you feel... Would you feel better about Luke McCown playing for three weeks or Chase Daniel? I guess that's the question. I mean, it's pretty negligible for me, you know. Um, I mean, that obviously the fact that they brought Daniel back tells me that they like him better. Um, I mean, the only salient difference for me is that McCown's 34. Um, you know, he had back surgery a year and a half ago, and um, – Daniel's 31 and probably healthier and yeah. has, you know, and with, and with breeze at his age yeah. and breeze being in the final year of his deal, I think you have to be smart about having a little bit more youth. Um, so that's why Daniel makes sense. But you're, the only thing we have to go by is Daniel and preseason games for the saints. And, you know, maybe those couple starts in Kansas city, which were mediocre um, and McCown who played against the super bowl defense on the road and played pretty well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, between the two, I, I think it's negligible at best. And you could definitely make an argument that you're, that one would be more comfortable with McCown. Yeah. They, McCown wasn't really that good in that game though. I will say, um, he wasn't, or he was, he, I mean, they, it was, what was it? 16, 13. Like he wasn't like, he was, he was all right. If I, if I remember no, it, was it, 20, wasn't it 24 to 20 and he threw the pick in the end zone in the last play. Uh, you might be right. I'll have to look. I mean, they had a punt return for a touchdown, but I, I think the Saints missed a couple field goals. Like, it was less about McCown. Like, it wasn't his fault, you know. Um, the, 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 I think it was kind of circumstantial that they didn't score more points. But he played well in that game. All right, well, yeah, considering that he was a backup, we'll give him that. I mean, yeah. he wasn't... He and wasn't the offensive complete. line was banged up, and so we were worried about him getting sacked, and he was getting the ball out so 20, quick. 20-27, you were right, 27-22. He almost won a division game. Give the guy some fucking credit. Yeah. Against the Super Bowl defense. But I think I think yeah. the thing is with McCown, I don't know, like is I think they they brought I think it's more of a case of they don't necessarily know that he's going to be healthy enough and they couldn't they couldn't take the chance of they get to training camp and McCown and they're like, "Oh yeah, McCown, he cannot he can't do it physically anymore even as a backup." You know? Because they they could get a, you I mean, know what there, I'm saying? Has there been any sign that McCown's breaking down? Well, the back surgery, though, right? Yeah, but he was the backup all year last year, wasn't he? Yeah, that's he? true. But, I mean, Mark Brunel was the backup, too, in 09, and, and we saw him in that Carolina game at the end of the year, and he looked like a 70-year-old man. But that was, <laughs> you know, but that was 2009 where Drew Brees was young. Now he's been banged up, so I think the, the, the possibility of the backup quarterback playing is more real. You know, yeah. So I if, mean, I, I agree with you that they hung on to Brunel way too long. Yeah, I mean, like Brunel, yeah. like if if, if 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 they think McCown has fallen into Brunel territory where he's just not cut out anymore, like you you can't have that. You can't have that for like a couple of weeks. That can wreck your year. You know, like yeah. if, like if Brunel, if if Brunel, if they had a Brunel quality backup this year and he had to play for three weeks, it would fuck up their season, even if they were going into that, like, 6-1, and one, and you're like, Brunel's got to play for three weeks. That'd be 6-4 and four coming out of that. That's how bad Brunel was. Um, Dave, Malcolm Butler's still not a saint. Um, <laughs> it's very depressing. I don't think it's happening. Buddy. God damn it, Dave! Um, here's one thing that, that I, I listened to uh, a, a podcast that Nick Underhill was on. It's expat. It's like two ex-Patriot players. It's 
I Gerard Mayo and somebody else. Um, but they were talking about some stuff. Uh, and one thing that I thought was really interesting, Andrew, was uh, last year when they were doing Malcolm Butler's contract, I guess it was not this past December, but December before when they were talking to him about extension, he wanted like just below like $11 million a year, I guess. And the Patriots mm-hmm. are like, dude, listen to us. We are never paying a corner $10 million a year. Get it through your head. And then they gave Gilmore $65 million. <laughs> I'm thinking that would put him in a rage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't. I mean, I, I would feel burned. I mean, I get it. I think with the Patriots, I, I think what they told him and what they meant or different things. What they really meant was we're, not paying we're never paying that. We're not paying that for a five ten corner. Yeah, you. <laughs> they buddy. can't. We're not paying they you can't shut down the prototype six three six four. You know, wide receiver that can run a four five forty. So we're we're not going to pay a guy with your build and your skill set that kind of money. But if Gilmore comes along, yeah, let's pay him. Um, <laughs> so you know, I think the natural vibe of Saints fans would be, well, then why should we pay them? Um, why should we pay Malcolm Butler we're that desperate. much? That's the difference, buddy. Yeah, like, and th- that's, that's the question. Like, are, are you guys happy to stay somewhere between 28th and 32nd overall in defense, or do you want to get better? I want to get better. I, want, I don't want fucking 7-9 okay. well, again. But then this defense needs guys like Malcolm Butler. Here's, here's my question. I don't know. Maybe, you know, Dave, you or Andrew can answer this because you're more business more business savvy than me. I just I just drink all day. Um, so they were talking about and text Andrew. Yeah, and te- I text Andrew football. So. Uh, I actually put that on my timesheet today for work. I was like four hours a week. I texted Andrew about defensive ends. Um, so no, but here's the point. They were talking on the podcast about uh, you know one of the players was like, look, Malcolm Butler should just shut up and pay 500 grand and get a $40 million insurance policy. And that covers him against catastrophic injury. But my question would be, I get it. He can take out a policy. And like, if he tears up his knee horrifically and his career's over, he gets $40 million. But what happens if he just, you know, does what that dude, that draft pick for Washington did and tears his Achilles in September and he's out for eight months. Does he get the sign? Does he cash in on the insurance policy then, or does it only cover yeah. him if it's career ending? You know, I'm not an adjuster or a lawyer, but uh, I mean, I would, I, you know, I guess it just depends on how everything's written. But I, I would, I would say probably no, it wouldn't cover that. You know, it would maybe cover. You know, uh, well, I think it's like any other thing where, like, the more risk you're willing to take, the less the bigger the payout, you know, or you you can have, you know, a a bigger monthly installment and it can cover more things. They said, I I would think something like that, I would think something like that is going to be the stipulation is going to be if you suffer an injury that ends your career, yeah, you know, so in other words, if 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 it was the Regardless yeah, of whether it was an ACL or an Achilles or whatever, if that was the injury, that if that was the straw that broke the camel's back, if that was the injury that you were never able to recover from and you never got a job yeah. um, in the league after that, you know that's probably potentially where an, a policy like that would. Yeah, and it. I mean the guy on the, the the podcast is like, it's he's like, just pay the six hundred grand and, and cover yourself and just play the year. I'm like, that dude makes four million dollars a year. Who in their right fucking mind would pay? What is that? Right. A fifth? One eighth? Uh, what six hundred thousand? If he makes four million? Yeah. That's, that would be like one eighth. That would be a little bit more than an eighth. That's an eighth of your salary pre-tax for insurance. That's insane. No, that's that's a little yeah, that's a little out of line. So I mean, somebody like Drew Brees, what you know, that would be. That would make more sense to me. Somebody making Drew. Yeah, that's what Sean Alexander used to do. Um, you remember, yeah. you know, for years, the, the Seahawks would tag him, and you know, at the time he was getting nine, ten million dollars a year, and he was like, "Well, this is great, but you guys keep tagging me every year." And Sean Alexander 
was actually the reason why in the new CBA, you know, they just kept doing that yeah, to them. And so, you know, them. now they have the increase, the percentage increase if you do it in back to back years. And yeah. so, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. Like he was like, I mean, it's great that I'm getting $10 million this year, but if I wreck my knee and I can never play again, then I have no protection. And if I, and, and yeah, I'm sure a lot of fans hear that and say, Oh, well, $10 million is a lot, but like for a career when, it's unfair to Alexander when on an open market, he could have made easily 50 million guaranteed. Um, and so, you know, that, that's the thing about the franchise tag is it really screwed uh, elite players and the, and the Seahawks were happy to just keep doing that to him. Yeah. Um, so he took the insurance policy. I mean, he paid a lot of money, but you know, that was the deal with Sean Alexander. If he, you know, broke his neck, he, he would take out the policy and he'd have 40 million bucks. So, I guess, Andrew, I don't think this is happening before the 21st. Like, Butler is sort of, like, not going to sign his tender until that window shuts. To, I think, to one thing, yeah, maybe, I, maybe he gets another offer. But, two, I think it's kind of his, like, professional, business-like way to say to the Patriots, look, I'm done with you. I don't want to come back, so I'm not just going to sign the tender. You know? Uh, but my question is, uh, so that's like the window from the, so the draft is the 27th, right? So if it, yeah, I think you, I think you got to remember too. So yeah, the draft's the 20, 27th and the deadline for, to, to sign him to an offer sheet is the 21st. So basically there's no point unless he was threatening to hold out. There's no point for him after the 21st to not sign, um, the tender that he was given by the Patriots. Um, my guess is that if he signs now, um, you know, then he, then he gives the Patriots kind of 18 days, um, to kind of maybe try to convince them to stay, um, or, you know, and if, if he really is truly pissed at, at them, um, then he, you know, he wants his agent, I'm sure is telling him, well, no, you know, give me till the 21st. That's, you know, 18 days, give me 18 days to negotiate with every team in the league and see what, like the, what the best offer I can get you is because we're allowed to negotiate with this, these teams as long as you don't sign and give them the least amount of time possible uh, where, like, you know, they have six days and if, you know, you, you seem more disgruntled, like, basically a gun's to their head and they've got to make a move. Whereas, like, if he signs now, the Patriots, I mean, would have, you know, 24 days before the draft to kind of play around. And, um, I mean, they, they would hold all the cards. So it's about getting some of that leverage back. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think I think the likelihood of him signing before the 21st is pretty unlikely. Yeah. Uh, so Dave, you still say it's not going to happen? No, Dave? he doesn't think it's going to happen at all. Dave, have you muted? No, your... no, I don't think so. Damn it, Dave! No, it's not like, like you don't think the Saints will get Butler? Is that what you're saying at all? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to get him at all, but they're definitely not. It's not definitely not happening before April 21st. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, after he signs, the Patriots could be stubborn and, and just be like, nope, you're, you're, we're, we're not trading you. You're staying. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, with the Patriots, they, they – I don't think – that's not Bill Belichick's M.O. when he knows that he can get better than – Yeah, a, he wants the picks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, they say, oh, they get a third-round pick. They don't really get a third-round pick. You get a pick – after the third round, before the fourth. So you're getting picked. If, if, if you sign less players than you lose. Yeah. But that's not a guarantee that you get that yeah. compensatory, the compensatory yeah. pick. Yeah. So, I mean, if they get it, it's going to be like pick 100 to 105. So if the Saints are offering you 42, the difference between 42 and 105 in 2018 is a lot. You know, astronomical. You know, that's three. That's basically that's basically sixty picks, right? So that's basically like three rounds of picks difference. Um, so that's a huge difference. Um, it's a month away from the draft, but um, the Saints' arguments are already starting. Uh, about sixty picks is two rounds, by the way. Right? Sixty. Ah, my math is shitty. I got Chase Daniel right. What more do you want, Juge? <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> The, the, the draft, I, I call it the draft, like, anger and, and argument is starting to begin where Saints Twitter turns upon itself and people, brother fights brother, and the arguments ensue. People get really ma- mean and angry. Uh, 
Last year, the argument... The, the, the trash emoji when looking at people's mock drafts yeah. is in full force. It gets, it gets, it gets mean. And we should love each other. But here's the thing. Like last year, it was fans versus fans and fans versus media. And the big name was the Saints should take Jalen Smith in the second round. And me and Andrew... First round. First round. And me and Andrew were like, yeah. No. That dude has a wrecked knee. He might have dropped foot, which I didn't even know what it was, but it sounded terrible. And me and Andrew were like, <laughs> no, do not pick the dude with dropped foot in the first four rounds. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And sure enough, he's probably not going to play ever in the NFL. We were right about that. But it was, I mean, that, that was heated. I mean, like, like, I love Nick Underhill, but he actually, like, he didn't block me, but he, like, unfollowed me, then, like, followed me back because, like, the, the discussion got heated. Uh... So, Andrew, and you can chime in, Dave, if you want, but Andrew, what's the player that, like, Saints fans and media, and we're just going to fight it out about? For me, it's got to be um, Reuben Foster of Alabama, the middle linebacker, and I think a couple things. I think, number one, when you look at the Saints draft strategy, or you look at free agency, and you look at them a year ago signing Stupar and Robertson and this year signing Manti Teo and AJ Klein. I think it's pretty clear that their strategy is we're not very good at developing young linebackers. Maybe that changes with Nolan, but uh, I just think they feel like they can get serviceable veterans that come pretty cheap in free agency. They don't have to spend a ton of money and they can get guys that are pretty good at linebacker. Um, On the other hand, the corner and pass rushing market is completely out of hand in free agency. And so they feel like, okay, if we can load up on linebacker in free agency, which they've done the last two years, then we can draft the other positions that we need yeah, defensively where we don't have to spend as much. And veteran linebackers, they're just better at it. Like it, the, yeah. the veteran linebackers. So, so, number, so number, yeah, yeah. So number one, I would say the, you know, from just a, a strategy standpoint, it's pretty clear it's unlikely they draft a linebacker. Mm-hmm. But I think if Reuben Foster falls to 11, then there's this whole thing about he's got the shoulder injury. So, you know, drafting an injured player, a guy that's coming in with a known injury, and he's already a little slight of frame for a middle linebacker, you take a lot of hits on that shoulder. So, you know, th- that already should make you nervous. Then there's this whole combine red flag thing. And, um, you know, unless someone hits a woman, which I think, Saints Twitter universally rules them out. Any other character issue, like Saints Twitter, if, if the guy has talent, they're always willing to overlook it. Always. I, I don't know why, but, gonna... but like the, the fact of the matter is the Saints don't really take red flag guys in the first round unless they're certain that you know they like the guy. And so yeah. I, I don't know what happened in the combine, and it might not be a big deal, but like I just know that right now Foster is operating with like, 1.5 strikes against him <laughs> but or a question I'm, mark I'm and say, I, I just don't think the Saints I'm gonna, should take him I'm going to say something about it and I'm going to use one of my sources um, that it's one of the people it's a, it's a low level Saints employee but they do go to the combine and they said my to me babies got sauce. sauces and he said to me he said have you ever known anyone to get kicked out of a job interview and that's what happened to Reuben Foster. He got kicked out of a job interview at the Combine. And take that for what you will, but he's like a low-level Saints person that went to the Combine. And he repeated that to me, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting that a Saints person would say that to me about Reuben Foster. Yeah. You know? Um, like, if he, if he's sending a letter to all 32 teams basically apologizing, um, that's, not, that's not a good thing. So, that's not just overlooked is not a big deal. So, Dave, do you have a player or position that you think Saints fans are going to fight about on the Twitters with the media and get blocked and muted and all kinds of nasty things? Fight about with media, meaning what? Like, well, I mean, like, like a argue over divisive, a, like some yeah, people like argue want him, over the some pl- people don't want him. Yeah, Leonard like, Fournette. Oh, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I really hope Fournette goes to the Jags at four because I really, really don't want the Panthers to take him. And then if he falls to eleven, then you know I. I I half want the Saints to consider it. No. See, this is where This is where we part company, my friend. Dave is yeah. Dave is vehemently anti Fournette. Oh my god. Hey, look, and it's not because 
I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. It's not because I think Fournette isn't <coughs> won't be a good player in the NFL. It's because he's fucking wasted with Sean Payton as his head coach uh, calling plays. I, it, it just it's it, that's kind of how I feel about Solomon Thomas too. Really? Why? On the that? other side. Why you just feel like the Saints won't know how to use him properly? Yeah, like he hey, he's just uh, he'll be wasted. Yeah, I. My fear with the Saints on defense is I don't like them to pick players that, like, they're like, well, he might fit here, he might fit there, and, and good coaches can figure it out. I'm like, yeah, yeah. the Saints aren't really. It's like Solomon Thomas is like, oh, he's got flexibility. He can go inside and out depending on down distance. No, no, no. No, we want don't a guy. Don't overcomplicate <laughs> things for this coaching staff. Just, Just give me a guy that's a clear fit. Yeah. Um, so – Somebody, somebody did somebody on Twitter today was saying we don't need another Cam Jordan. Oh my God, that's the that's the that is the like that is no, the like no joke. Like the thing this team maybe needs the most is another Cam Jordan. It's like yes, Cam Jordan is a eight to ten sack, not great at not great pat not an elite pass rusher, but a really good pass rusher, and he's really good against the run. If you have two of them on either end. Your defense is really good, and the teams right now. What do we always joke about every week, Andrew? It's what's the strategy of the defense? It's the question that any offense that plays the Saints they have to ask is, can we block Cam Jordan? And if the answer is yes, you're gonna be fine. And if the answer is no, you might be fine anyway, but you might be fucked. If you have two of them, <laughs> you'll be better off. And I just I don't like people. Do not like Cam Jordan. I don't understand what the dislike of him is. I mean, I'm down with getting Von Miller. Just explain to me how that's going to happen. <laughs> um, so, but no, but about Reuben Foster, people on Twitter, on Saints Twitter, love that dude. I love him. Like they really think Reuben Foster fixes the Saints' defense, and so. I really think that's the guy that where it'll the meltdowns will ensue and it'll come to blows on Twitter. I think it's probably a sixty percent chance that he's going to be there at eleven, maybe higher. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but we'll get I into think he'll fall. we'll get into dream scenarios for the draft because we got a month. Um, so now we got to go and continue uh, the the best corn in Saints history. We continue the sad journey. The sad journey that is the best corner in Saints history. There hasn't been a sadder continuing series since PBS's nine-part documentary, Miss Lincoln's Favorite Part of Ford Theater. This bracket is so fucking sad. Um, and we're in round two. We're only going to do uh, half of it because I can't, I can't take this much sadness in my life. Uh, round two, we're going to start number one seed, Andrew Dave Wehmer, number 16, Reggie Sutton. Yeah, I... I can't even remember Sutton that well, and frankly, I don't. He blocked a, yeah. bunch of, boxed a bunch of punts and did cocaine. Yeah. Okay, well, oh, I, boy, I, I do that. like cocaine. Uh, you know, we did figure out after uh, last week's podcast, by the way, that um, the newscaster, um, you know, the foxy lady, what's her name? Uh, Vivian Lee, remember we were... Yeah, Vivian Lee, Tamika Tamika Lee, her dad was Vivian Lee. I had no idea. Yeah. That was no idea. Anyway, I'm voting for Waymer. Yeah, I vote Waymer. Dave, who you got? Waymer. Yeah. Number eight, Ernie Jackson. Number nine, Fred Thomas. I feel like Fred Thomas is very much hated, but I feel like Fred Thomas had some really good years for the Saints, and people just remember the end, so they hate him. But the, he was really good. The NFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, but he was he had good years, man. I know. I agree with you. I think he's gotten kind of a bad rap. So you're going Fred Thomas? Yeah, I think I will. Andrew? Um, you know, I think this is a close one for me. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I kind of – I like Fred Thomas. I'm not one of these guys that, like, blasted him. Mm-hmm. But I do still remember the NFC Championship game. And it was bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I mean, yeah. And then not only that, but Ernie Jackson – as is in the top 10 for career picks. I mean, he's got 15, and Thomas has 13, so I'm voting for Jackson. Ah, well, you lose. Uh, number four, Jabari Greer. Number 13, Jimmy Spencer. Andrew, who you got? Jabari. Not even close. 
Yeah. It, Dave, yep. who you got? Jabari. Jabari. Jabari in a clean sweep. Jabari can, is, it can, Jabari can get to a semifinal in this one. So, Jabari number, could, could win this whole thing. Jabari, Johnny Poe, number 5, 12, Tracy Porter. This gets tricky oh. because Tracy Porter is the legend. Johnny Poe is not as terrible as Saints fans remember him to be. Uh, Poe is number 6 all-time in Saints history yeah. with 17 interceptions. <laughs> so, I but f- how many in the Super Bowl in the <laughs> NFC Championship. Feel, Not a one. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Tracy Porter, on the strength of the NFC uh, Championship interception, has to get to the next round. So Not the Super Bowl one? Not the one that no, won the game for them? The, the, Super Bowl? the Super Bowl one, I feel like, was just like the cherry on top. But that NFC Championship interception saved their fucking ass. Dave. I mean, if, if he <laughs> drops true. if he drops that ball, Minnesota can kick that field goal. Like, if he doesn't intercept that pass against the Colts, like the, the maybe Peyton Manning goes down and score. Maybe you know it would have only tied the game if the Colts go and score. Why would you throw that? Why that yeah, great sound? You can take a knee. <laughs> this is the, the Super Bowl, man. Poor Minnesota, Brad Childress. Uh, I'll go Tracy Porter. Dave, who you got? Oh yeah, Tracy Porter. I I got. I I pose another one that is kind of sneaky hated, you know. Um, But he he was a pretty good corner. If you're over forty-five, you you hate him. I mean, I love Porter. I love Steve Gleason too. You know, that's the thing. It's not like Steve Gleason is a better Saints player than Deuce McAllister or whatever. Like at some point, you gotta base it on who had a better career, uh, who's more consistent, and. Yeah. yeah, Porter was a guy. I mean, it's like Chris Reese made a great play in the Super Bowl. Is he one of the greatest Saints of all time? No. Yes. Um, so I would, I would maybe, vote. Maybe, maybe he is. Maybe let's discuss it. We have a podcast on it in the middle of June. <laughs> Make sixty four. So, so Porter wins two one. <laughs> yeah. Dave with number two. Dave Witzel. Are, are Porter and Greer and on opposite ends of the bracket? No, no they're, they're about to play. Today. They're about to play. Today. Oh, okay. Number okay. two, Dave Witzel. Number fifteen, Van Jakes. Andrew, who you got? It's got to be. I mean, Witzel is the first corner ever in Saints history, and he's still the best. That's how sad. <laughs> That's uh, Dave, Dave yeah. who you got? Wait, who did Andrew vote for? Dave Witzel. Witzel. Dave Witzel was yeah. bald, too. Ah, he looked like his name Dave, he looked, and he's bald like me. Yeah, I got to vote for him. I vote for Dave Witzel, too. I, I want him to win the whole thing so we could say the best corner in Saints history was the guy that had 10 interceptions their first year of existence. Uh, ooh, this is dicey, Andrew. Keenan Lewis, number seven, number ten, Ashley Ambrose. This is dicey. You know, this might be petty, but Lewis is kind of. I, I've really soured on that guy lately, um, which is a bummer because he's a New Orleans guy, and uh, I mean, you know, yeah. Ambrose was kind of a cool story, you know, and but but Ambrose did play for the Falcons, so uh, this is tough. But I think I got to go Ambrose. Yeah, I'm gonna go Ambrose. Man, Ambrose is 99. It's not quite. It, it you know when you when we were when we were doing this bracket and we were arguing back and forth and we were doing it on Twitter, I said that his 99 season is the best season in Saints history, and you throw you were like, no, Dave Waymer and Witzel, which is true, but it's probably the third best season. He had six picks and he returned one for a touchdown, and he was really freaking good in 99. And the Saints actually tried real like they had you know they fired Ditka and they brought in Haz and they brought in Randy like they tried really hard to keep him they were like please stay and he's like you're a train wreck I'm leaving uh but he went to Atlanta and didn't really win you know so it didn't really work out well for him but uh I'm gonna vote Ambrose too man because it's just Keenan Lewis god damn him Dave who you got I even really um I don't know. I mean, it sounds like, uh, I mean, I think Ambrose's best season was better than Keenan Lewis's best season. So I guess I'll go with Ambrose. So it was, yeah, and who, and, 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 and with Keenan really Lewis, Lewis, I mean, had, who, did, like who didn't see, who didn't see Keenan Lewis's season with their career with the Saints ending with a leg injury? <laughs> I mean, with those flamingo legs. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Number three, Mike McKenzie. Number 14, Eric Allen. I feel like Mike McKenzie is 
is like the Malcolm Butler Doppler ganger because they gave up a second round pick from Mike McKenzie and then signed him to the extension. Andrew, uh, I hope mm-hmm. that Butler's as good as Mike McKenzie was because he was really good for the Saints. Oh yeah, he was great. And then Eric Allen, I mean, trash. I, I've I voted Stole against Eric Allen in the first Tom round. I, I I he can't get out of this tournament fast enough for Stole me. I hated that Tom guy. Benson's money. Dave, who you got? Uh, McKenzie. It's not even close. Dave, who you got? Uh, just for the Patriots game on Mike Monday night. That was great. They had yeah. him and Chris McAllister. Two two interceptions, I think, he had that game. That was phenomenal. Uh, so, McKenzie. Signing guys off the street and working out against Tom Brady. Ooh. Brady bent with Brady sat on Brady didn't yeah, even finish that game. They called no moss and bench Brady. Yeah. Which was phenomenal. They fucking put up a flag. <laughs> Raise the white flag. All right, this is the game. last one of the second round. Uh, Andrew, this this tournament's so bad. How did these two assholes get to the second round? No, this is only half of the second round? No, we're done. This is the last one of the second round. Uh-huh. Toy Cook, Andrew, number six, versus 22, Vince Buck. How did both of those clowns... Wow, so ba- one of those clowns is going to be in the quarterfinal. Yes. It's going to be in the final eight. Um... <laughs> I mean, they were both terrible. Um, you got on one hand, you got Toast Cook. Vince Buck, Vince Buck was awful. He was awful. God, he, he was awful. Vince um, suck. Vince. <laughs> I would say. I would say. Uh, go ahead. I mean, I can't believe Toy Cook. You know who they called Toast Cook? He he was he's got, he had sixteen picks in his career, so he's seventh in team history. I mean, the thing about Cook is that. If he played on the Saints now, it would be so much worse. Like he had the benefit of playing on one of yeah. the best front sevens in NFL history, and he was still terrible. Yeah. So can you imagine how bad he would have been? But you know, he had a lot of picks, and he gambled a lot. So I guess I'm going to go with Toy Cook because Vince Buck has no redeeming quality. No, he does not. Toy Cook, <laughs> Toy Cook was bad, but in the context of this tournament – he had a little bit of Jason David in him. Like yeah. he gambled and he, we get some picks. He gam- he he had a he he gambled and he was very hand- he got a lot of pass interference calls even by oh, yeah. even back then. So today he would it would just rain flags on him. He was very handsy, but for this tournament I feel like Toy Cook we hate him but but in the Saints history of corners he's not bad and he's much better than than Vince Buck. So Dave who you got? Cook. All right, so that gets it. We got oh man, we got we got some semifinals. I mean, some quarterfinals next week, boy. Whoo, popping. So I mean, how bad are your corners when? Seriously, I'm gonna read you the top eight. <laughs> Dave Wehmer, okay, fine. Fred Thomas is a top eight corner in Saints history. <laughs> Jabari Greer, Tracy Porter, Dave Witzel. Ashley Ambrose. I mean, what did he play? Two seasons for the Saints. No, he played the one year and then left, and then they he got, came back. He came yeah. back and he was old and broken. Right. And then uh, McKenzie and Toy Cook. I mean, that, literally, that's the top eight in team history. Good God! All right, so so we'll get to that. We'll fit in. We'll get to that next week. Uh, now we got questions. Uh, Dave, this is from Matthew. What's your thoughts on the straight-tailed crawfish nonsense? I don't even know what that is. Ooh. Uh, you, really? You don't know what that is? I don't know what that is. Uh, well, it... <laughs> Are you talking about, is it? Is this like a recent thing or, or just no, in general? No. I've been out of Louisiana too long. Well, no, uh, I mean, you're just talking about you don't eat the straight ones because they're dead or they were dead before you cooked them? They, well, yeah, yeah, that's what people say, which, which yeah. even if that was true, that doesn't necessarily make them bad, but people believe that they're like... You know, no good, or they might. Ralph, you've never been to a crawfish boil. I have, but it's been a long time, and I only have the one good arm. Peeling the crawfish is a pain yeah, in the ass, true. and I just. Right. Like, you've never heard that? Did they tell you that you're not supposed to eat the ones with the straight tails? No, I've never heard that. What? I've never heard that. My my family. Ralph, do... are you seriously from New Orleans? Yeah, I mean, my my family had crawfish boils for for twenty years, but my family they're weird. You've seriously never I've heard never, of don't eat a straight crawfish I've never tail. heard that. I've never heard that. Oh my god. Jesus. Well, anyway, my answer to the question is is I I probably a bunch of baloney. I'm sure it's fine, but I I will just toss it aside and move on. If somebody peels So you don't eat them. Super, if somebody yeah, would just, peel it for me, just I would eat it. That's a superstition, it. I guess. 
If somebody would peel it for me, I would eat it. This is from Matthew 2. My, my grandmother, by the way, just mailed us, or my grandmother, my, my wife, my wife's, um, her mom, my, my mother-in-law just mailed us crawfish my from that Nice. <laughs> and uh, so I just ate about 10 pounds this week, and I definitely ate all the straight tails. Yeah. How do yeah. you... Andrew, this is from Matthew. I ate all the straight tails. They were delicious, and I'm not sick. <laughs> How do you feel about Jordan Lewis? I like him a lot, but had off-field incident recently. He's the corner from Michigan. I don't. Yeah, like from him. Michigan. I don't like him because he spells his name J O U R. Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. I like that. That's I, I've watched some tape on him. He, he's he's pretty solid. Um, I think. I think the reason he would drop is, I believe, now I'm doing this from memory, but I feel like he's like 5'10", kind of like Malcolm Butler. So he had an um, there, There's just so many corners in this draft um, that are 6-plus and run really well. So I think, sick, you know, got, he had that sick interception against Wisconsin. That's how I know him. Yeah, but I just think guys like him and guys like Tredavious White um, may fall a little bit just because – um, they're a little, they're a little smaller and they don't run like all these six foot Dude, plus guys Saints, that are running four five forties. If the Saints get a D end, if they would get like Barnett or whoever you prefer as a pass rusher at eleven, or you know trade down and get him, and then get White at thirty two, I will fucking streak naked around the loop in Paraland. <laughs> I will be so <laughs> excited about that. And I don't even care that they can do that, Andrew. They can do that if they get Butler. If they sign Butler and they get White at 32, I'll still run the the circle at Paraland naked because it'll they they need more than they need more than Butler at corner. Uh, Dave, this is for yeah. you. This is for you. This well, for- hold on, I want to answer the question though. Um, I mean, I feel like they took P.J. Williams in the third round, and he had a little bit of a red flag character-wise. And I think Lewis is a really good player. And similarly, I think in the third round, if he's there and you like the value. I, I like the way he plays, so I would I would totally be cool with getting him in the third round. Yeah, this is from Jack. Dave, what happens first? Atlanta wins the Super Bowl, or Sean, Sean Orleans appears in WrestleMania? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's not here to defend himself, uh, but you can answer that. Yeah. Well, and and unfortunately, I uh, I think Atlanta would win the Super Bowl before that ever happened. I mean, he's just he you know he he's got. Uh, Mother Nature is against him. I mean, he's not a big dude. Even if he's wor- even working out. Hashtag dad bod. He's, you know, yeah. I'd like to believe that if Kevin was on this podcast, he would be crushing Ralph for never having heard of straight crawfish tails. He probably would. He probably would. You know? What can I say? You know? Uh, my family doesn't believe in voodoo. My family doesn't believe in voodoo. What do you want me to tell you? Uh... So, Jack asked Andrew, the best player available is tied with corner or defensive end at 11. Who do you choose? I don't get to, I don't, what players? No, I mean, like, there's a corner and a defensive end, and on the Saints board, they have the exact same grade at 11. Who do you pick? Oh, just, what? what so basically, what position is a bigger yeah. need right now? Yeah. Oh, I think I would go defensive end. Like, I, I would rather fix the pass rush and... Just hope and pray that it's good enough to bail out, you know, trash corners. Incorrect. Um, but I'm assuming that I'm assuming this, this says that we're not adding Malcolm Butler, yeah. like under this hypothetical. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would still go defensive end, but I would be very scared about corner. I mean, I I don't feel good about either. Let me yeah. be clear. Uh, let's see. How dumb are the Panthers waiting for April? Waiting until April to give Cam Newton rotator cuff surgery. Dave, was that dumb? Uh, Doctor, Doctor Dave. I hadn't heard about that, and if that is true, that does seem a little silly. That seems like something you'd want to have him do the day after the season ends. Yeah, I think the interesting thing with Cam Newton is. Well, I, I bet. I mean, with rota- I have a rotator cuff injury, so I think a lot of times what they do if it's a partial tear. Um, is they tell you to just rehab the heck out of it, and you know they hope that you can get it back to like ninety five percent, and then it's good to go. Um, and my guess is that he tried to rehab it, and it wasn't taking. And so they said, "All right, well, this is as far as we can go. Mm-hmm. If, if the rehab hasn't worked up to this point, if we wait any longer, then you're risking 
being affected for training camp. And so that's why he, they probably went ahead. And I'll him. make a prediction right 100% now. 100% legitimate. I don't think Cam Newton is going to age well as a quarterback. I think once I mean, he, I don't think that's he's the least hot take of hot takes ever. Well, I mean, no, I mean, like, like he's, he's not a mobile quarterback who takes a lot of hits. He's not gonna be pl- He's not gonna be any good after the age. You're of like 30. those guys who are like, I, I so called that RG three would For, be no. a flash in the pan. Like, I thought RG three was gonna. Win. I thought RG three after he eviscerated the Saints was gonna win nine straight MVPs. He. Destroyed the Saints that opening day in 2012. Like I've never, like just and the Saints were like, I don't know what's going on. What is this spread? It's the six plays he ran at Baylor, fuckwad. You know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what will Steve Sarkeesian? What will Steve Sarkeesian be drinking out of his flask when calling plays for the Falcons during games? Oh, that's mean, Dylan. I hope he's drinking out of the flask by October, though. So that's even meaner. Um, uh, this is from Will, Andrew. If the Butler deal never comes through, do the Saints trade for another corner? Yeah, I mean, Richard Sherman and Trumaine uh, Johnson with the Rams are two names that have been thrown out there as potential. Joe uh, Hayden. Joe from Hayden. The Browns, yeah. From the Browns. That's like a, that's like a give the Browns back their compensatory third round pick and get Joe Hayden. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Saints, have gone, the, the Saints have gone all in to try to get Josh Norman. They have gone all in to try to get Butler. If both don't work out, it's pretty clear how important this is to the Saints. You know, and they're, they're going to find someone. They have to. This is an interesting question from uh, Eric, Dave. At, at number 11, the Saints can either draft a defensive lineman with Cedric Ellis's career or Junior Galettes, including the dead money, oh. including the dead money and the belts. Who do you take? <laughs> the belts. Um, that's a great question. Uh, that's I would say said Ellis was close to Pro Bowl level, but not quite. But Junior Galette, when he was good, he had, he had two legit Monster Pro Bowl years. seasons. Yeah. yeah. That's a hard question. Yeah. That's a great question. That is, that is a very good, well thought out, well researched. Yeah. Like Galette had the higher highs and the lower lows, I would say, right. between the two. And Cedric Ellis was just plateaued the entire career. No, yeah. he was really good. He Cedric Ellis, we felt stop like, it, Ralph. Just stop it. It felt like he was. No, I agree. He was. We Cedric Ellis. He, he was good his rookie year, and then he got better his second year, and then his third year he was He was borderline awesome. That was and what, we really thought, like, okay, this is it. Like he's that coming was 2010, right, when he was really good. And yeah, yeah, and we felt like, okay, said Ellis is like, this is his breakout year. This is it. And that was the year that he completely fell off a cliff. Weirdest, he's, if, he, if we had a weird Saints career bracket, he'd be a number, he, he'd be a number he, one seed. And then he went on to play another how many years after? I mean, none. You know. like, a, like one or two. None. He played yeah, none. Really. He played none. He signed with the Bears, then retired. Like he never, he never no, played again. No, no, no. He was with the Saints for more than three years. Yeah, he no, was. He, Ralph. he played out. No, he Cedric Ellis played out his contract. I'm with looking the, it up right now. He played out his yeah. contract with the Saints, but after that, he never played again. I don't think. I think he right, but I think he was with the Saints for like five yeah, years. He played out his five-year deal with the Saints. Okay, so we had two shitty seasons. One okay, one. No, you guys are right. He played five years. Yeah. Yeah. I think he so yeah he had three good seasons and then two bad ones. Yeah, and they traded. Yeah. Mediocre, in my I guess I guess. And my, they traded up to get him. That's right. Yeah. They traded up to eight. Like in year three, he, he had forty-four eight, tackles and six sacks. Those were his. That was a career high year. That's what an, year. His third one. Two thousand ten. That was his third year. That's basically yeah. Fairley's the year this year. That's a. Yeah. That's a great year for a D tackle, especially yes. a twenty-five-year-old. And then D he tackle. fell off the cliff. Yes. Which makes no that's, sense. Not right. So, so what would you do? What would you, what would you do, Dave? Oh, jeez. Um, I love that question. I, I now, you know what? Actually, it's an easy answer, um, and it's I think you go with Cedric Ellis. I mean, and and the reason is is because Galette comes with all that dead money, and I mean the amount of money that, that the true. Saints that is true that is I have, have had dead to pay. Money. 
yeah, have had to pay for Gallette when he's not even on the team, uh, and that has that has significantly. I mean, I think his contract was like at the top of the dead money list there, and uh, and that severely has 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 at the Saints and not allowed them to I think uh, like, rebuild their defense. Andrew, I, think like the ghost, I think the ghost. I think the ghost of Junior Galette is still haunting. This it's team. like fifteen million in dead money for one year. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah fifteen. Yeah, it was horrible. Uh, Andrew, who would you? And do? not to mention that, but he got liquored up on uh, social media yeah. and started saying, cut, "Cut the check, Mickey." I don't know though. The the thing is, the Saints are so close, possibly to the end of the Breeze area. I, if you told me that you could have draft a guy and he would get. 11 sacks or 10 and a half sacks this year, that might be enough to get to the Saints to the playoffs. I think I would take, I think I would take the Galette and just wait for the bomb to go off. Cause you get, you get, you get, you get 22 sacks over two years, man. I don't know. The, depending on how you look at it, the belt video is either God awful or kind of great. <laughs> I don't, Do you I remember when that video came out and I was the one that proved that? And when Gillette said that wasn't him and his friends. <laughs> yeah, I do remember Dave that. Dave made the collage. Was like the PowerPoint with the, the numbers. Yeah. Dave was like Woodward. <laughs> Dave was like Woodward and Bernstein, like breaking it down. He's like, and everybody was like, "Yep, this definitely proves it. That's yep. fucking you." Sherlock, <laughs> Cariello. Yeah, it might be the the of Dave's stewardship of Canal Street Chronicles. That might have been the high point. Oh yeah, one of amazing one of investigative work. <laughs> that made that got a, a lot of hits. Did you win a Peabody? That got, that got shared. Did no, you? I didn't win a Peabody. That got shared a lot though uh, at the time. And remember, it was like this was like in July, so there was nothing else to even talk about. All right. Um, I feel like that was the one time that the Saints beat writers like Larry Holder and Cat Terrell and and a bunch of others and Triplet. We're all sharing Canal Street Chronicles yeah. material. Yeah. So it's like, what is going on? The media is feeding the blog. <laughs> so this is our last question, then we'll get out of here. Do you prefer high ceiling or high floor in general? That's a, gr- that's a, that's a good question. That's from Brian. Uh, I would say right now in the way the Saints are, Andrew, I want high floor because of where they are with Drew Brees and – you never know when it's going to be over for him. I want high floor guys, you know. Would you? Yeah, I mean, would you consider Michael Thomas a high ceiling or a high floor guy? Like, I, I'm not sure he's either. Um, like, I expected him to be solid. I knew his. I I don't know that he had a low floor, but I mean. I would say him. I would say he would have been a high ceiling guy. Like you would expect hmm. the Saints as a rookie receiver, like they, Marcus Colson did really well, but I was expecting him to be like a, you know, like a forty-five, fifty catch guy. I, you know, but that's a, that's a great point. But I mean, for me, I like. Dave, like I don't know that it's mutually exclusive. Is my point? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, but the thing but is, I, I, I think yeah, I mean, I, I'm maybe a little risk adverse, especially in the draft, which is such a crapshoot. So. I would say, you know, I would probably prefer solid guys that you know aren't aren't going to be I'm awful. Not, I'm I'm risk averse in general, Dave. But my thing is, I just feel like if they can get the defensive end pick right and get average to above average guy and add him to the defensive line, they have the potential to be really good. So I'm like, for the defensive line, like if you told me there's a Thirty percent chance that this guy will be Vaughn Miller, but there's a seventy percent chance that he'll bust. Or this guy, there's an eighty percent chance that he's gonna, this guy's going to give you six and a half sacks a year for five years. I would take that guy in a heartbeat because I feel like they just need competence at defensive end. So it's really weird. Like my my, I want a high floor guy at defensive end desperately. The rest I'm kind of negotiable on. But Dave, mm-hmm. I. I Oh, you want a high floor guy at defense? Yes, I want, want a high ceiling. Guy I want a though? high floor guy at defensive end. Well, you know, I, I've I'm, I've always been a Patriots Belichick fanboy, and I mean, I feel like what they do is they get high floor guys. They they get guys who, who aren't necessarily amazing at their position, but they get guys who are good mm-hmm. and who yeah. get the job done, and they fit the role. And and uh, he, and so, that's the thing when guys get injured, 
those guys step up and they're not right. incompetent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I have a whole team of high floor guys. I, I think good too. Yeah. So that'll do it for this podcast. As we wrap it up. Uh, you can go to Saints Nation. Andrew's doing mock drafts with all kinds of fun stuff and trades and different things and uh, create create crazy one. Although the Saints. Andrew released one last week, and then the Saints signed Raphael Bush like 10 minutes after he posted it and basically set it on fire, right, Andrew? Yep. Because, because you, had a, yep. you had a safety. Thanks a lot, Saints. <laughs> Couldn't have waited a day to announce that. So, um, But you can go there. Yeah, that's how I felt about that. <laughs> so Dave will be writing his column, his season preview, probably in week four of the season right around uh, October 1st so you can catch on that. Maybe I should write maybe I should write like a why your team sucks for the Saints and I'm just, that'll be my <laughs> one article of the year. Oh man. Why the, the Saints will suck this year. Dude, it's going to that the 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 the, uh, the Drew McGarry why your team sucks. He is going to eviscerate the Saints for trading Brandon Cooks to the Patriots. One because he'll say it's a bad move and two, he hates the Patriots so much and the Saints just made them better. So he'll just pile on the hate for the Saints. It, it could potentially be a good good read. So, um, anyway, um, go to Saints Nation. Find Dave on the Twitters. He sometimes he runs the Canal Street Chronicle Twitter handle. Uh, Kevin's at a, a backyard wrestling event near you if you're in the greater St. Louis area. And I am Ralph Marlborough. Uh, until next week, the bar is closed. <laughs> <laughs>